You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and on this week's episode, Robbie and I had a conversation back during August with Donovan Remp and Austin Schlenker, who are two guys are just infatuated with bow fishing. And I know you're probably thinking it's September, that's something I would think of in summertime, and that was our thought too, you know, that was kind of when... I had bow fishing on my mind. It's the lull period between turkey season and our fall hunting seasons. But, you know, from what I gathered, springtime and fall are really, really great times to be bow fishing. And these guys were, they were a blast to talk with. They were really animated. They were razzing on each other. And they're also a wealth of knowledge. They take bow fishing to the extreme of anybody that you would think would just be infatuated with deer hunting and talk about the strategy and the detail of things. Austin, in particular, was was very interested in the science behind it, you know, talking about certain species and the ecology and the ecosystems and how that related to bow fishing. And I just find that really, really interesting. A couple things that I learned right off the bat they made the bold statement as to say that snakehead is just as good of eating as walleye. And snakehead, you know, for those of you who don't know, snakehead I believe is an invasive species in parts of the East Coast and certain rivers and stuff. And, you know, these guys are traveling and targeting snakehead. And you know, I was kind of thinking, when I think about bow fishing, I think about shooting like bottom feeding dwelling fish that just, really aren't that high quality of eating like the your your carp and suckers and just kind of stuff that i would deem as like a trash fish when it came to table fare and <laughs> these guys are filling their freezers shooting fish and i kind of be i'm just been used to using carp for a trapping bait or throw them in a, throwing them in a garden for fertilizer or a manure pit or something like that 
and that was that was kind of eye-opening and just the the level of detail that like the how these guys will just drop everything and go go bow fishing all night long and then get up and go back home and you know do whatever they had to do in their daily lives i mean it's it's pretty hardcore it's a fun conversation if you it, it there's a lot of beginner information in here like if you're not into bow fishing or you have very novice inform novice uh intro level type you know knowledge about bow fishing it's uh it, it's there's there's detail on gear and getting started out and what they did wrong and it's just jam-packed full of information, and these guys are plenty talkative about the topic. I think it's going to be something that, you know, if you wanted to find something fun here in September, October to do, I think it'd be right up your alley. At least get you thinking about it for the future. And uh, I won't waste any more time getting to this episode. Last thing, I just want to have a shout-out to Little Mountain Outfitters of Richland, Pennsylvania. Guys, the time is here. It is almost bow season if you are hunting in a special regulations unit we're less than two weeks away less than two weeks away and it's hard for me to think about the major weapon gear but there are plenty of things that you can be getting at little mountain outfitters to fill in your season with gear whether that's mobile hunting equipment accessories maybe some last minute broadheads guys maybe you're out there and as we're approaching our statewide season maybe you'd like to go archery hunting for the first time but you know we don't have enough time for you to get suited up and really feel comfortable shooting a vertical bow but you want to try hunting with a crossbow they've got plenty of options for you to shoot and test out and uh, not to mention that you've got targets for practicing you have the saddle hunting gear as I mentioned and food plot seat guys it's still not too late for food plots and they are dealers for real world wildlife seed check them out little mountain outfitters richland pennsylvania i don't think you'll be displeased at all devon and the boys are excellent bow technicians so all right let's get to this episode all right we are cocked, locked, ready to rock, and I got Donovan Remp and Austin Schlenker on the phone tonight. What's going on, boys? What's going on? Not much. Hey, we're just living the dream. I mean, August is here, and that means we are within the two-month mark for bow season, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much what the world revolves around in my world. Yeah, I guess I better start shooting more. Yeah, you Shot might that one want time to, I mean, uh, a couple weekends ago with you, and this is, since then this is the dude shot. that tells a story of of flinging arrows left and right, and the deer that had a death wish and just yeah. kept standing there until he <laughs> killed. It. They're not all going to do that for you, no, Rob. You know. should practice a little know. bit. You know, one shot. Been there. I've been there too. <laughs> who, who has? And I have too. It's just it's easy to bust on his, yeah. on, his, on, his, <laughs> on Robbie here. So now we're uh, we're not talking quite about as much about uh bow hunting tonight we are but in a different quarry for so to speak uh you guys have been uh laying the hammer down on some fish here lately so tell me about it what have uh what have what, what's happening this time of year i mean are you guys doing this year round are you doing it uh whenever you get free time well this right now is i call it the slow season because water temps are up fish are spawned out and grass. The, grass, the grass, like for example, down in the bay is just way too high. So 
a lot of times with this grass being so high, you're running in less than a foot of water, and you're just winding your trolling motor up with grass. I mean, it's kind of hard, difficult. You're gonna shoot less, but you still see fish. Mm-hmm. But what's the best time of year? Early, like early June or in springtime? April, April, end of April, May, in the early July. Yeah, July, even June a little bit, but. Once it starts getting really, really hot, the grass comes up, and it just makes it easier for fish to hide and makes it rough to find. I mean, you still find fish, but you got to run channels, little slots where, you know, you're not in the grass. I mean, now, granted, if you fish up here more, like Pennsylvania-wise, you don't have to really worry about it as much. But, like, down, down in the bay where we primarily bow fish, it's getting tough now. So, but once we get a cold snap, it'll. I'm thinking mid, like mid September, it should start dying off again. October, depending on how hot it is. October, and that's deer season. So, <laughs> tell tell me a little bit about getting into it and getting to start. Because I mean, I've done some bow fishing too, and I, I I swear I want as cheap as possible. And I had some decent experiences, but you know, you guys take it to a whole nother level. I mean, tell me about your intro to it and that chronological progression of building up your arsenal to the point where you guys are, are running top of line equipment and trying to go as much as possible. Like I I personally started bow fishing uh I would think I might have been eight or nine and Robbie, you know him, Ryan Smith of all people. Yep. <laughs> took me out for stingrays with his uncle down in the bay. Wow. Down in Delaware. And uh I ended up shooting one on the boat and since then I've been hooked. Now I had a spell where, you know, I didn't Really, bow fishing. I got you back in there like two years ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he he definitely got me into it. I bought a boat, and then of course the the bass boat <laughs> went to uh, getting a lot of lights, <laughs> a lot of money thrown into it. Yeah, I I probably started boat fishing when I was fourteen or fifteen. I just I watched the video on it, and I was like, damn, that looks really cool. I should try that, and I asked for uh, a boat fishing reel for Christmas. I ended up getting a boat fishing reel for Christmas and bought a uh, $120 bow off Amazon, actually a Barnett, and uh, I was killing fish with that thing for three or four years, and I tell you what, I'm not a fan of Barnett crossbows or anything, and that bow has taken more abuse and has killed more fish than most people have ever seen in their life. And it's just, it. I still have the original strings on it from 2015 or whatever, and oh, the thing's wow. still, yeah, it's, I pretty much just have it until it fails at this point, but it doesn't get, doesn't get pulled out of the, the, uh, bowcase very much. My, uh, Osprey's my go-to now. A lot of people, like, when they get started, they're running you know, an old setup, you know, they'll, they'll borrow their dad's old bow or, you know, maybe they had an old one laying around. I mean, does it really matter what bow you're running? I would say no. No. I I would say is if you can shoot 35 pounds, you can get that bow down to about 35 pounds. So you don't really, you don't really recommend the bows nowadays that are like 50 to 70 pounds, 75 pounds, running at 50 (laughs) pounds and shooting. Definitely not because I will test this one. How long did I shoot? I used to shoot. What was that? Hoyt. He said, "Ah, uh, Mag. I don't know. It's down in the basement. 
this thing, I mean, it had 70 pound draw. Mm-hmm. I called it the haymaker <laughs> because when you drew, when you finally got it drawn back and you actually hit the fish, I mean, you about buried in the mud. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, that thing used to actually splinter fiberglass arrow. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it quite the sound when it hit the water. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. I mean, definitely want it. If you're gonna get into bow fishing, stay away from a release. <laughs> okay. I learned. I mean, you want to shoot fingers. It's a little bit quicker. Um, it's easier. It's easier, and most of the bow fishing bows that you do get don't come already set up with finger savers and stuff. It's just a lot more time consuming. I mean, with let off and what? Nope. With let off. With and just the way these bows shoot, they, most of the time your cam grooves are so they're so narrow and and uh, shallow that if you torque that bow any bit, it's going to pop that string right out. <clears throat> but most of the time, it doesn't happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I know guys that do shoot with releases, and the guys that seem to shoot with them are usually dead nuts. But for a beginner, somebody that's probably not going to have the best form, I would probably just, you know, just shoot a lower poundage with finger savers on there and, and you'll be fine. Or you can do what I did and go on Amazon and buy a $120 bow fishing bow. And most of those bow fishing bows, they don't have any uh, let off. They don't have any cam mods or, or anything. It's a constant draw mod. So you can pretty much pull it back to wherever you want to. And it's, it's nice if you do like have a couple buddies and you guys, I don't know, you guys are just out bass fishing. You don't see nothing, but you see a couple carp. You guys can all shoot that. There's no set draw length. Or anything like that would be with a Matthews or your hunting bow or anything like that. It's so like you guys are both bow hunters, right? Oh, yeah. So one of the things I always struggle with when I used to go, like I, I was one of those guys that had to try to set it up as much as possible like what I'm used to, like a compound bow, I have a sight, I've got my release and all that stuff. And it works, but it's definitely time-consuming. Um, do you feel like when you shoot, um, you know, bow fishing is one of them things where I feel like you can fling arrows all day long. And as long as you hit the fish, you're going to get your fish for the most part. You know, it's not as tedious as far as like shot placement and stuff like that. But do you find yourself like causing actual issues, uh, for shooting in the future when you're shooting fingers and flinging arrows versus shooting on target? Like, do you, do you find that to be a problem for you guys? Yes. (laughs) With all So me, well, you do when you fling the arrow or the string off your bow, but anyway, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I've forced myself into a habit when I want to shoot off the left side of the boat. I catch my lever. So with the lever bows, like, you know, the older Nidas back in the 80s and stuff when they came out, they kind of disappeared. But that, that's the same bow we shoot now, more or less. So they're, with the lever bow, you draw back and your lever is a pivot. For some reason, I catch my leg way too much <laughs> to the point where I've ripped pants with my lever, mm. and it'll throw my bow so far off. I mean, I'm at home. Well, I mean, now granted, they don't take long to reset up. You can actually do it at home. You don't need a bow press or anything on the boat. We, yeah, we do them on the boat. They're super easy. All I need is an ounce, Allen wrench, and Allen wrench, and literally you can and a tape measure. <laughs> yeah, it's all you need. You can tie them. And I mean, now granted. I come home a lot of times and I check my bow just about every time after we go out bow, bow fishing. You know, after we shoot, you know, three, four hundred arrows, 
they do occasionally get a climb a little bit. So I'm super, super anal about my bow being timed and squared and everything like that. It just annoys me if it's not. I don't know if I'm the perfectionist or not, but even like my compound, like it's got to be perfect or I won't shoot it. I'll sit there. I'd rather sit there and mess around with it for two hours and shoot it for 10 shots and even mess around. Same way with my, with my Oneida. I have timing gauges and I do all that stuff before we go out on the boat. It's got to be, it's got to be perfect or I won't shoot it. So I, I know a lot of guys listening to this and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm included in this. You probably start out with old, cheap, simple, um, and then you guys are you're talking about some of these setups. So, like in your minds, <clears throat> what is the Cadillac of setups? I mean, what is the checklist from top to bottom that you guys like to run or or, or looking to have every time you go out or or working towards getting here in the future? I would say the Cadillac and like the, the high end is you're gonna have um, an Oneida Osprey from Anaya R3, which is roughly $900, depending on which model you get. Fairbow, yeah, and that's Fairbow. There's nothing on it. Uh, your rest, I prefer a shelf rest, which is shelf, uh, a rest that's machined to fit right on the riser of the bow. Um, they're about 55 bucks to $70, depending on what brand you go with. Well, the cheapest thing you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably your arrows might be a little cheaper, depending. Um, a Mega Mouth bow fishing reel. That's just the style I like to shoot. It's a and Austin shoots one too. It's a, it's a spitting style, so it's not like the big bottles you might typically come across when bow fishing. Bottles are really, really nice. They're great for beginners. There's and they're bulletproof. Yeah, they are bulletproof. <laughs> like you can beat the crap out of them and. No problems. The Mega Mouse, there's just, you can fight a fish more like you're fighting them on a rod. There's drag and all that good stuff. And they are built built to last. They are just, they're built pretty beefy and they're about $400 now just for the reel. They went up in price a couple of months ago. Yeah, what the? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyways. And, uh, trying to think if there's anything else. So it's just and we shoot we shoot interlock arrows. Okay. I mean, that's probably about the best we've come across arrow wise. We've shot just about everything. Every yeah, I think the only thing we really haven't shot is probably rays yet. Yeah. And I mean interlocks hold up I mean, we shoot in the rocks. I've been shooting Oh man, I've been shooting some of the same arrows now. I've only shot I think three arrows all year. Yeah. The only time People really break an arrow is if we somehow magically stick one like I do into a snapping turtle, mm. <laughs> and then uh, try to pull it out of the uh, you know out of the turtle. And what happens is my tip falls off, and then I have to grab another arrow. But other than that, I mean, snapping arrows off. Usually, I did it once on that flathead on the surface, yeah. and that was it. Doesn't it, it really don't happen that often? So luckily, like. You know, you're going to spend 20 to $30 on an arrow, and you're not, you know. It's yeah, 20 to 30 bucks. Interlock's probably the best for your, best bang for your buck. I would gotcha. say if you're going to, if you're going to, like, probably spend the money on something, it's probably get good arrows. You're just going to save yourself the headache. Pulling fish out, and, you know, especially if it's your first time out, and you 
you finally shoot a fish after like 50 shots and it pulls off at the bank, you're probably going to be pretty pissed and you're probably not going to pick up the bow again. I would stay, spend the money and pick up an interlocker apple and go with it. I'd probably say they open up probably three inches when they're yeah, when they're all expanded up. They open up th- exactly like a mechanical broadhead. Is like the only way to describe them is like um like the Rage two blade broadheads. That's probably the easiest way to describe what they look like and how they open up. They open up the same way, and it's no you don't have to close them up or nothing. They, when you shoot, it pulls the barbs back, and you pull on it, opens the barbs up. But that's probably so. All in all, you're probably looking at yeah, probably about thirteen hundred bucks to your take the whole setup. Take me through what an average year looks like for you guys um, in the world of bow fishing. I mean, do you spend time in springtime walking creeks? Are you guys on the boat constantly? Um, did you get? I mean, did you cut your teeth kind of walking creeks and go from there? Like, tell me a little bit about that. It's typically, I know you like to get out for the, uh, the coolbacks, coolback. when the coolbacks run. Um, if you can find a spot with them, usually creeks and, and streams. Um, this I've is had, usually like early April. Yeah, April, like two weeks after trout season typically is when I'll start creek walking. And I've shot, I've had a couple like 45 shoot, 45 fish shoots in a couple hours. But that's just by myself. Um, but it can get, it can get really, really dirty if you can, if you can find them. It's, it's actually sickening how, uh, how much it, like how many fish are in there. You don't really realize how many fish are put until you start walking in. And it's very easy, which is super, super convenient for anybody that wants to get into it. All you got to do is get a bow and go walk some creeks and you could walk creeks right now. Everything's super, super low. And it's it's fairly easy to find fish, and you're in the river, especially if everything's super super low. But I would say we start hitting the boat probably April. Well, April about April. We'll start hitting local lakes and stuff, and then uh, I caught on this year. Like you know, we we try to pile drive snakeheads. That's usually our main main thing to go kill. Mm. So once you know, we've noticed this year we went out in the, for example, we went down to Maryland more. In April, I think it was. April and May, or in May. I think it was May. April. I think it was May. Was it May? Yeah, first week. Oh, May. yeah, because I had to get my license. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. we we weren't finding any snakeheads the first time we went down there. We maybe seen two where typically at that spot, I mean, it's not one of our better spots. We typically see anywhere from 20 to 30 of them, typically. Yeah. yeah. And it's just non-existent. Now, in, you know, early May, the grass is enough. It's the best time to kill them because they have nowhere to go on low tide. So... We, uh, I, I started to catch on after, so the Conowingo Dam posts their fish number, snakehead count. And what they do is, all, they give you like the water temperature pretty much for that day. And as soon as that water temperature hit about 70 degrees, I think it was, 68, 70 degrees, all of a sudden the fish numbers at the Conowingo Dam went from, what? It went from like then, 10 to like 160 yeah. in like two days. In was, two days. It was, it was, it was, it was like somebody flipped on a light switch. So then I said to him, I was like, we should probably go down to Maryland this weekend. Or actually, I think we hit, we hit PA that weekend. We were on the Delaware River. Yeah, we were on the Delaware River that weekend. And what, we shot 30-some? I don't know. We lumped them up. Though. We filled a cooler full of snakeheads. I mean, it was wild. They are just everywhere. 
there, there, there'll be an. I know a lot of guys that are listening to this probably, I'm assuming, are in Pennsylvania, and those snakeheads will be here everywhere before you know it. They're, uh, they are everywhere. And the, the game commission says don't shoot them, but every, every game one we talk to says shoot them. Um, we've actually had a fish warden on the boat already. Yes. Shooting them with us. <laughs> really? And, uh, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was shocked at how many we, that there actually was. I think Austin talked to biologists and, uh, they had no clue that there was that many in no. there. No, they, like, it's kind of like, uh, Pennsylvania kind of like ignores it kind of. The fact that snakehead was, but I think if they would have said, they, they've been around since what, 2013 in PA. Confirmed, yeah. Yeah, I'll never and forget the it, first article I read. I think it, yeah, that makes sense. It was sometime in school about them them expanding throughout Pennsylvania and they were going to terrorize the waters and this and that. And it was the only article I think I've ever read relative to Pennsylvania. But I know, like, they are, they're freaking ugly. They oh, are. But oh, they taste they good. are tasty. <laughs> really? <laughs> Very oh, yeah. If you need some meat, just call me because I got more than I know what to do with. <laughs> it's like it's like walleye. Yeah, it's very close to really walleye. holy. Yeah, cow. but they are. Hmm. They're not as bad as everybody thinks they are. I think I think they get a bad rap personally. What do you mean by that? Like out. the like the 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 fish itself or the like the yeah, taste terrorizing. You know? You know all the fish populations, and they're gonna take over and this and that. I think, I think it's such a myth, and people just want to say that because they're ugly looking, really, and they got teeth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, is like, like this past weekend down in Potomac. So Potomac River is probably about the longest that a snakehead has been in United States waters. So 2003, and we seen more. Three and four and five plus pound bass than I have anywhere in my entire life. It was absolutely I, insane the amount of that big bass, quality bass so that we've seen. Snakeheads spawn five times a year if the water temperature stays warm enough. So they'll spawn as soon as it hits probably 65 degrees until it. November. Typically, November is from what I hear is the last spawn. They'll continue to spawn, but you gotta figure and they'll have 50,000 fry per year, per fish. So. You gotta figure that's fifty thousand bait fish for bass and muskie and catfish and everything else to eat. I mean, snakeheads are only gonna eat small feeder fish and bugs. That's all they eat. They don't eat. I mean, the snakeheads they eat frogs. Frogs yeah. are a big thing for their diet. Yeah. The thing. I mean, yeah, they might have a you know economic. Or I mean, not economical. Economic. Yeah. I'm not here. Anyway, ecological, there we go. <laughs> you know, more impact on fish in the first 10 years of, you know, being in certain waterways. But, like, for example, they've noticed that bass populations in the Potomac have, you know, actually increased since 2003. Hmm. So, pretty much on the whole grand scheme of things, that snakehead populations have all but leveled out now down there. So they kind of filled their own niche. Yeah, they, they, I know, I, I read somewhere that they've actually taken the place of muskie and pike that are in some areas because they, the muskie and pike have been fished out or died off because of water quality and the uh, snakeheads being another predatory fish have just taken that over and 
they've just reached their holding capacity now in the ecosystem. I think we'll see a a little bit of a probably a weird fluctuation in fish around here right now with them being so new, and they're gonna they're gonna try and find their dominance in the ecosystem, and I think it's gonna. It's going to equal out eventually, but we're going to start seeing more and more and more of them show up in places where, you know, they just aren't supposed to be. But big thing to them that is that is people, people taking them places where they're not supposed to be because they see them as a game fish and as a food source. Uh, they're huge in China. I know uh, people from China really, really like them, and they, they transport them around pretty often from what I understand. But at the same time, I kind of encourage it because I like I love them. them and they taste good. <laughs> They're my favorite fish. I love them things. Well, I am I think I'm going to have to come raid you at dinner time at some point and try them because I love walleye. I mean, I'll never forget when we went out in 2019 on my elk hunt, we were done in like two days. Like all three of us tagged out on beautiful bulls and we're like, it's a seven day hunt. What the heck are we going to do? And the guy's like, ah, I got a boat. We'll go out and we'll walleye fish. And we didn't we didn't lay the hammer down on it on them or nothing like that, but we got enough that we could keep. And I had uh, we had the one night we had corn on the cob and potatoes. We had some elk backstrap and we had walleye. And I, I don't think I'm kidding. I, I I had a hard time determining what I like to eat better, the steak or the fish. I mean, it was damn good. It is so it's Snow White. Yeah, it's Snow White flaky. I mean, it's it's a little bit. Less, it's less fattier than walleye, so it's a lot leaner of a fish. How do you but usually cook it? You can cook it any way you want. Any way you want. Tacos, you can blacken <laughs> it on the black. Blacken it. I like frying it, and fish tacos yeah. are mm. are super good with them. But it, it holds flavor very, very well. So it's like butter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you're a person that really enjoys eating fish try it because it holds flavor and it i have yet to make it bad at all like i don't think i've found a way that i can go oh this is not good that's enough to make me want to go well i was gonna again. say two weeks from now <laughs> softball playoffs austin can bring a cooler and get a grill going and in between games we can cook up some <laughs> snake heads i take it everywhere like i hand it out like candy yeah, i was gonna I say bring a cooler <laughs> I think I just found my new friend. Jeez. No, that's, that's awesome. What that's else awesome. do you guys go after besides snakeheads, too? And now catfish for days, too. Yeah. Catfish, okay. Yeah, what else are you guys hitting, Robbie asked? So, gar. Gar is another big one. Um, down, you know, you can actually shoot gar down in the Potomac. Yeah, You're allowed five per a day person. Yeah. Mm. per person. And they're fantastic to eat. They're just a little bit pain in the rear end. They're clean. pain in the butt to clean, but the meat is. As long as you have an angle grinder, good. you'll be all right. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, we use angle grinder. Yeah, you think we're kidding? <laughs> um, what else? Catfish. The blue cats are, the, the, I would say, the biggest problem down in the Potomac. Yeah. They're, they're literally everywhere. Uh, they get big real quick. They uh, eat all the crabs. Yeah, they eat all the crabs. It's a. We've been hearing that there it's a big problem right now with all the blue cats eating all the uh the what do they call them soft shell crabs not they're blue crabs but they're oh, peelers yeah eating the peelers because they're so easy to get to um but the blue the blue cats are a really really big one they're invasive down there in the Potomac and we've shot some in PA too yeah and yeah it's just a matter of time yeah I mean 
honestly, the catfish are the problem. Between flatheads and blue cats, I know I probably made a lot of people grumpy by saying flatheads, because flatheads are the, uh, the big thing in Pennsylvania now, but flatheads, they eat a lot. <laughs> yeah, for, for example, sure. my, uh, my fiance, she shot a 40, what was it? Oh, 40 pound, 40 pound flathead out of Blue Marsh. So, I mean, they're in there, they're in the whole Schuylkill River, they're in the Sussex River. Yeah, you shot one too. And they're, they're fantastic to eat too. I mean, they're huh? probably your best catfish. I would say they're better than channel cats, 100%. Even, I, I wouldn't think so. My buddy, my buddy was like, you need to try it. And I was like, alright, so I tried it and it was like, wow, this is really, really good. And now, this is the guy who likes to pull these things out of, uh, Dumpsters at bow fishing tournament. Oh my I god! I not? wanted to try one. So he had <laughs> he pulled three flatheads out of a dumpster at a bow fishing tournament. <laughs> well, you there. might be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> we were there, and these guys are just shooting these flatheads and throwing them away. They're not cleaning them, and they weren't too old. I mean, they were. They sat in a barrel all night, but it wasn't hot. It wasn't hot. They're pretty old. <laughs> I. Th- I th- I threw them in the truck and took them home and cleaned them, and they were, and they were really, really good actually. And I think that's one thing that when people think of bow fishing that they don't think about. They think we're just out there, literally killing everything and including sport fish and not eating them, or we're just throwing them in ditches and whatnot. And I mean, also, and I we go down to the Potomac, almost everything we shoot down there we can eat, and it. It, it goes, goes in the cooler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes on ice on the boat and we take a scrap bucket and we take a cooler. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my me- my experience bow fishing, I mean, I think of shooting trash fish like, you know, carp and suckers and I've heard people say that, you know, you can make fish cakes and stuff like that out of those fish and it still uh, tastes good, know. but I mean, my, you know, trying to be a conservationist, you know, what I used to do, I I you know, back when I had more time, um I'd trap so I'd uh, I'd take all the carp, cut them into pieces, and that was uh, that was trapping bait, and made for yeah. fantastic bait for uh, for catching coons. Um, we suckers and gave them the yeah, so we use them as bait. For yeah, like, you know, suckers. Um, our guy, our friends who do flyhead fish, we'll give them to them for cut cut bait for mm. flathead and stuff like that. Carp, carp or fertilizer. Yeah, they. <laughs> I take them to my girlfriend's house and they put them in the source uh, <laughs> bread. Manure spreader and they spread them and do them like that. And the like now grass carp on the other hand, if you get your hands on a grass carp, them things are fantastic to eat. Really? Yeah. So the first time I ever had it, we went to Kentucky. There's tons of grass carp down there, so we shoot them. We he's telling me you gotta bring them home and eat them. So one night I had to, I was out late for work and I think I got home at eight thirty and I asked her what was for supper when I got home and she goes. Oh, I'm making carp. I was like, oh, great. After a long day, just I want to eat carp. Well, I got to say, grass carp's fantastic. I mean, it's white, flaky. T- it's just like, kind of like snakehead, but it's thicker. The bones, the bones, yeah, the bones are the, the downfall of it. But yeah. I remember getting that phone call. He's like, dude, you weren't lying. These things are damn good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, like I said, I just think of a trash fish all the time and, and shooting carp and stuff. Like I said, I've had a blast when I do it, but the, the eating side of things, that's, that's got my appeal, uh, way up. Um, 
But, I mean, you, you're getting into this time of year, and you said it's kind of getting tougher this time of year when it comes to bow fishing. You still going down and spending time uh, going after snakeheads and stuff like that right now when oh, you can? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to come out with buckets loads nearly as much. I mean, you might get into a pocket of them where, you know, they're sitting on top of the grass. You come out with, I'd say, 10. Combined, ten average, and, yeah. and right now, I mean, Which, that's from our – from where we go anyways. I mean, there might be better spots that we don't know about and, yet. But. And normally, I mean, normally, a lot of the fish that we're shooting this time of year are decent size. They're usually pretty big. We're usually yeah. not shooting small fish, like super small fish right now. We're usually shooting some pretty decent sized fish. Um, winter boat fishing is something I haven't gotten into yet. I would like to we got too many. We, we're, we're too busy deer hunting. Yeah, hunting we've been going to North Dakota in the fall and uh, too many trips. Yeah, it, sounds many like, trips. it sounds like it's terrible, doesn't it, Rob? It <laughs> yeah, sounds awful. it does. <laughs> I yeah, I just, I, like I said to him, I was like, he always brings up, well, let's go boat fishing, like middle of January. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, just what I want to do, sit on the water with wet fingers. <laughs> we, but you know, one day we went out and we we did shoot fish, but it was cold as shit. It yeah, we're in Carhartt bits, Carhartt jackets, and we're out there slinging arrows. I mean, you bring up your arrow and it immediately has ice forming <laughs> on it. <laughs> we always shot fish, though. Yeah, always shot fish. But it's like those are the good times to go because it's the fish don't move. I mean, they're so lethargic because it's so cold. They're just they're just there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they don't move at all. They just kind of hang out. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. I want to know a little bit more in depth about your boat setup. Like, um, you talked about the bass boat with lights on it. Um, dive into that a little bit and, and what's that look like and, and everything else. So now that, you know, now that, uh, boat fishing is becoming more prevalent kind of thing, or more people are getting into it. Um, they're really starting to make boats primarily for boat fishing. Um, like I run, I run a tracker. It was a 1654. Mine's a 1654. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a smaller boat. Was 17, it's 17 foot. I mean, same size as mine. It's, mine's 17. it's, it's perfect though. In reality, I mean, you could shoot four people off of it. Um, like, I mean, last year's boat to this year's boat, completely two different animals. Last year, Wow. Well, you had the foam, the foam <laughs> issue first. Yeah, USS Fire Hazard. That's what I used to call it. I mean, it was electrical was tape uh, slapped together. Glue. It was built with electrical tape, zip ties, and super glue. Mm. <laughs> this year's has gotten a lot better. Not nearly as much of a fire hazard, yeah. but you know, I mean, every time you go out bow fishing, you break something. So I'm what two years of fish bow fishing off of a boat. I'm on my third trolling motor. So there's something to look forward to. Figure fourteen hundred dollars a year for a trolling motor. Um, mine's I I mean I just got mine and it's already freaking broke. Yeah. So that's a yeah it's a thousand dollar trolling motor. But you're gonna run over stuff. You're gonna hit stuff. You're gonna be caught yeah. in the bushes. I would say use if you're gonna like actually rig up your boat to boat fish. Get, make sure it's an aluminum boat. Because, I mean, we beat the crap out of them, not intentionally beating the crap out of them. It kind of just comes it, with it. Happens. Yeah. It kind of just comes with it. The amount of rocks and... that I've hit with my boat, like I said, mine's, mine's brand new. Mine, I have a 2022 this year, and I have more scrapes and paint chips on that darn thing already because I've hit a duck box in Blue Marsh the first night I took it out. 
Um, it was over and the water was falling over. Yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, it's yeah. just brutal. But, I mean, you're going to use and abuse your stuff. If you mm. start getting into it, it's kind of just like everything else. The more you do it, the more you abuse your stuff. Yeah. I felt bad for my boat. I I got a really good deal on my boat, and I picked it up in... Beginning of June, I picked it up in... Oh, no, no. It would have been... March, April, yeah, somewhere around then. Um, but I, I got a really good deal on it. Austin came up with me and we picked it up, and it was clean. Like, that boat was, that thing has not been abused ever in its life, and I, I knew from the start that I was going to use that boat. Um, finally, I uh, got it the way I wanted it, put all my, uh, so on my boat I have light rails on the front that hold all these, uh, they're literally house floodlights, uh, but they work really, really well, and a lot of guys that run these huge boat fishing rigs that you see out in Texas and stuff, they run the same thing, and they're they're pretty cheap. And we run them straight to a, like, a 2,000 watt generator. Yep, I run I run a what is it? It's the, the Prater, the Harbor yeah. Freight ones, they, the Harbor Freight generators. And let me tell you, I put it through its paces. That's it, it, I abuse it. I put it through hell, and it don't stop. It's quiet. You know, it's. I like I said I have these and crap it's rolled around. It. It's rolled around. It has fall off. It may have ran out of oil a few times. Luckily, it shuts off when it gets low. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like light rail wise. I mean, like we what I did last year is I welded a you had steel. I, I used steel. steel, so I cut up an old hay wagon and used <laughs> a hay wagon rails for my light rails and I welded them all together but it weighed way too much um, definitely go with aluminum learn from experience um, you were lucky enough to find some for your boat yeah I have I have a set of rails that they actually don't even make anymore for for these trackers that are actually manufactured to fit on trackers so it looks a lot better <laughs> it actually looks good I just got a, a buddy of mine that is starting off welding that uh made mine for me and they they work really really well now his are removable on his boat mine are fastened right or welded right to my boat um but anything that i would say it it's relatively simple with the setup of these boats it's just a matter of how much money you want to throw into it and how in-depth you really want to go and just improvise yeah i mean we, what, I mean, I, I use LED light bars for a year, yeah. and then I, we found some lights on eBay for $20 a pop, and now I have 16 of them on my boat, yeah, and I have 10, and, I mean, you can light up the night with them, but you kind of want to lean more towards a warm color, like, kind of like, here anyways, a flame color, you know, you don't want to shy away from a warm white, or, I mean, a cool white, cool white cool. color, because... You kind of want a tinted yellow light for murkier water, especially down in the bay. I mean, now, this time of year, now that the grass is up, it's a lot clearer. It's crystal clear. The high zone. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you can see 12 foot in some spots. But early season is the Chesapeake brown water. And to cut that, you need something, you know, a yellowish light. Mm-hmm. You see guys that actually tint their lights, they actually put, you know, a yellow window tint on it and stuff like that, but with these lights that we just got, I mean, they're what, they're only $20 a pop? 20 or 25 yeah. Something like that. It's it's, it came from New Jersey. Yeah, I don't even know if they were Chinese made, but they're home, I, 
I call them Hong Kong hairy legs. But anyway, they, uh, you know, they work. <laughs> you know, they don't die. I, I mean, I beat them. Dude, they, they get the absolute crap beat out of them from arrows hitting them, from fish hitting them, caked with mud, falling off on the highway. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that we've learned that these guys put their the rigmarole and abuse. Yeah, I was gonna say which, a little rough I mean, on that, equipment. That, that's good. I mean, you want to go out and have a good time, and stuff's gonna go through its its uh, rigmarole. So, I, I want to shift gears here, and I want you to dive in a little bit to methodology, method behind your madness type deal when it comes to getting into strategy. Because I mean, you know, as a as a diehard bow hunter, and you're thinking about how podcasting has just like taken the space of strategy and this and that for white tails and elk hunting and, and black bear hunter, what you name it. Um, there's gotta be some strategy behind some bow fishing stuff. It's stuff that I would just completely overlook. And I'm curious, you know, as the time of the year transitions, um, how does your, how does your strategy ch- change? You know, you, you brought up uh, water temperature having an effect on stuff. So, like, as you guys go throughout the season, what are the key things you're looking at that make you go, man, this is going to be a good night? I would say tide is being the biggest, especially if you're fishing down, down in any tidal water. Tide's going to be probably the biggest factor yep. in anything. You know, we have a lot of luck on low tide. Um, fish, incoming tide and an outgoing tide, an outgoing tide, really. I mean, incoming tide for snakeheads, outgoing tide for everything else. Some um, people will disagree with us, but we seem to have better luck on an incoming tide for snakeheads. Yes. And the big thing, too, is is like finding new areas, finding structure. I, I personally use Onyx maps. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. mean, I, do. I sit on Onyx, and what's nice is I have, I downloaded all 50 states. So, what's nice about their app is you can actually see boat ramps on there. So, we'll, I'll pick on an area, I'll zoom in, look for, you know, what's nice is you can somewhat see water heights, kind of, and, you know, structure on the map, just just like deer hunting. Um, you can, you know, you, you want to look for some kind of grass, any kind of, you know, lily pads, stuff like that, and just find the closest boat ramp. And 95% of the time, like, guys will tell you, you know, you probably want to go out during the day. I mean, it is probably the best thing to do is to go out during the day and scope it out, make sure there's no walls and stuff. But we just, we just send it. Honestly, we just pack up and I will say, say we're going to head to this boat ramp and then fish it at night and run stuff over. The days that we just don't give a shit and we just are like, hey, let's go shoot some fish yep. are the, the best days that we usually have. And I don't know why, but... To be like, hey, let's go try this new ramp. I don't know. It could be six inches deep. Could be sixty feet deep. And we go out there, and we somehow we end up shooting fish every time. Yeah. Or when he sends you, like, yeah, we got this really good ramp down here on the river, and we get there, and I put the boat in. <laughs> he puts the motor down, and the motor don't even sit in the water. And he's back there trying to start it. Yeah, hey, I shot a fish. I shot a fish in the boat ramp, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's, 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 don't let him decide where we go. It's a horrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> but. No, like, I mean, biggest thing is, is get out, look for, you know, look for other boat ramps, look for stuff, look for places that people overlook, and that's, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's no different than hunting public land, I mean, you know, everybody says, guys kill big bucks right in the parking lots of, like, public land, it's the same way with boat fishing. That one night, we went down to the bay, 
and there was like five boat fishing rigs. Yeah. And they we don't even think they touched forty yards off the boat ramp, and we ended up shooting what a thirty inch snakehead like right off the ramp. Yeah, I shot that one down at Potomac there. Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny because a lot of guys either go come out of boat ramp, go up or down. I just shoot straight across from the boat ramp to the closest bank, and then decide where I go. I mean, what, within three minutes of being on the water, I was on the boat for three minutes, and I shot probably the second biggest snakehead of my life within three minutes, and about yeah, 50 like, yards from the boat ramp. Hey, there's a fish. Oh, yeah. Those are usually when it's hurt, you know it's going to be a good night when something like that happens. Oh, but, I, mean, I would say, you gotta treat it, you almost gotta treat them like deer at the same time. Yeah. You know, you gotta, that grass, they're gonna bed in there. Quote, quote, bed. They're gonna they're gonna be in there hiding. That's where they're gonna be at. And if you can get around that grass, and the tide plays a big thing too, because when that when the tide's real high, they're able to get up in the grass and they're able to hide from you. The tide comes out, it pulls all that water out of that grass. Now they can't get up in there anymore. So where are they gonna be? They're gonna be right on the edge of that grass line, and there's nowhere for them to go. Either they go super deep, or they sit there and you stuff an arrow into them. And that's about and that's, it. And that's why we find the incoming tide better, because what's happening is that that tide coming in, it actually pushes the fish closer to the structure that they want to get into. So if you catch, you know, if you want to, say you want to hit this stretch where you know we're going to see a lot of fish, we tend to shy away from it until, you know, until we know it's been about 15, 20 minutes into the incoming tide. So then we'll come through there and hit that, and it's usually a lot of times it's stacked with fish because they're all pushed up as tight to that, you know, as tight to grass mats, grass beds, or any type of structure as they possibly can. So they're just pretty much just pushing up, to try to get in there as soon as possible. Because I mean, in reality, that's where all the food's at. That's where they feel safe from anything. I mean, fish cranes play a big factor. In. The fish cranes are a big one. But usually, if you can find a fish crane, you can find a fish. Yeah, wherever the fish crane, there's usually fish. Now, does weather, does, uh, does weather play into it much? I know you guys said earlier that it can be good or bad. So, rain. Rain, rain. is a good thing. Like Luke Bryan said. <laughs> yeah, it makes the corn grow, and yeah. corn makes whiskey. That's what Luke Bryan says. Yeah, exactly. So, with rain, if you get... For example, you know, if you want to shoot carp, uh, when you get a thunderstorm, say at 8, 8 o'clock at night, for like June or July, in 40 minutes, just, you know, a quick torrential downpour. So what it does, it actually produces more dissolved oxygen in the water. So what carp eat a lot is phytoplankton. So what it does, it actually pulls the phytoplankton up shallow. And along with that, it draws fish right up shallow as well. So when you get, you know, when you get a short burst of rain for a little while, just enough to coat everything wet, you know you're going to have a good night. There's going to be fish everywhere. Things like that. I mean, we, we've even take no, take, taken notice of the moon phases. Oh, the moon. I think the moon. <laughs> the I don't moon think we have it dialed yet. yet. I don't think we have the, the no. whole moon thing dialed yet. But I can tell you right now, it plays a huge factor in finding and shooting fish, I think. <laughs> Especially some nights will... The weather will be perfect. It it rain, everything lines up, but the moon's wrong, and we go out there and we shoot two fish all night. What I, are you just, seeing as far as are you seeing any trends like that? And as far as moon, you know that you weigh heavier on. 
there for a while last year. Full moons for some reason. Full moons. I have no idea. Full moon. I mean, dead full moon. And we were just joking about it because I'm like, oh, it's a full moon tonight. We're going to kill fish. And all of a sudden, pow, we're killing fish. Which is odd because I like to hunt deer on a quarter moon. <laughs> but yeah, I think it definitely plays a factor in it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely does. I mean, in reality, your title charts are all off the moon phases. So, moon rise and moon set. So, I mean, it definitely plays a factor in the bay, for sure. I think even up here, yeah. personally, on lakes and even in the river, I think it plays a factor. Uh, I, I really do. I just don't think we have it, we have it dialed down yet. Because I've never heard anybody really talk about it, to be no, honest with you. Fish and, fish and, I don't know, maybe we're spilling beans we're not supposed to spill. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know how how big it is into bow fishing, but I mean, nah. just, just I'm still just hung up on the fact that snakehead takes like walleye. I mean, yeah. that's enough to make <laughs> me want to try it. Yeah, it it, it is. I mean, I I personally one, right? I personally cooked a walleye next to a snakehead, and I mean, it is darn close. I I made them exactly the same, put the same seasonings on them, and put them, cooked them identically. And it, I'm telling you, they are. My girlfriend asked for, for the snakeheads by name. Yeah. She'll be like, are you making steak tonight? And I'll be like, I can if you want me to. <laughs> and another thing about it, with with eating them wise is you actually don't get nearly as many toxins in them, in them as other fish. So because they're eating, they eat nothing but, you know, small feeder fish and bugs, they don't pick up mercury, PCBs, and things like that. Whereas, you know, your carp and catfish are going to. So you don't have to really be too concerned about mercury levels and toxins. Hmm. Also, they grow super fast, like extremely fast. I mean, some of them, some of them, thirty-inch fish are only three years old. Thirty-inch fish is three years old, and then they they start getting fatter from there. But the big thing is, is you don't have to worry about you know how many you have to eat in a month's time. Nearly as bad as you know as catfish and just about anything else in the water mm-hmm. now that you guys bow fish all the time or got into it more do you still do your traditional rod and rail fishing or do you uh, 100 percent go fish no i don't have the patience i mean anymore yeah, i don't know if i go out fishing i go damn i could just shoot this fish right like, now <laughs> i could i could spend days i could spend days on my boat bass fishing i mean all day and not catch a fish and now that i've gotten you know, big time into bow fishing more. I go out bass fishing for what, two, three hours, and I'm about ready to throw I think the you tackle went, box and all the rods into the lake. We I mean, I'm once. about over it. We went once this year. Yeah, we did all right, but I mean, like. We did, we did catch a bunch of fish, but. I can't do it. I get so mad and stressed out and angry, and especially night fish. I want to go, I want to go striper fishing on my boat just on some lakes up in like upstate PA, and I look at it and I go, I could go sit out here for hours and maybe catch five fish, or I could go, I don't know, to the bay and shoot 30 fish in the same amount of time. So, I don't know. I, trout fishing, I do pick up a rod for trout season, and then once I'm done trout fishing, then it's it's game time. Yeah. My biggest thing, though, is, like, I, I was actually going to go to school for a biology and fisheries degree. So... It, it kind of, it's pretty cool at night because it's like my childhood dream. Actually, you get to go out and see everything in the water. So you can flip lights it's on. It's crazy. I mean, some of the stuff you see, like, we'll see what? 
five foot muskies all over the place. Yeah. Muskies huge. Like, I don't think people realize how how well they're actually doing. Yeah, they're, I mean, like, we'll see muskie all the time, and we, we see some crazy stuff. Beavers. Beavers. Damn beavers. Let me tell you, there are more beavers in PA than I would have ever thought. And in southern, southeastern PA. Oh, absolutely. I, I, and I, frankly, I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Why is it I'm about ready, about ready to sling an arrow at them every time. They come <laughs> right up to the boat. I mean, they're, like, they're, they're so curious. They're curious. They come up to the boat. Or they screw up your entire fishing down in the bay. They run the banks the whole way down with the boat, knocking all the fish off the bank. I mean, they're... I was shocked how many beavers we actually seen down in the bay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Beaver dams. Yeah, beaver Me dams. and beaver dams don't get along either, especially <laughs> when you get your boat hung up on one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah, be a pain. Yeah, you're sitting there stuck on the beaver dam. On the tide going out. On, with the tide going out. And I'm, just, I'm pussing out every beaver. In the surrounding area. <laughs> you know, you brought up the beaver chasing fish out. I was kind of curious earlier when you were talking about, you know, driving around, checking out the boat launches and stuff like that. Are you finding that sometimes you're, you're getting into a situation where there's actually too much pressure from other people and it's affecting fishing, or is that not the case? Sometimes. I mean, Blue Marsh, for example, is a big one. Blue Marsh gets hammered. I mean, absolutely hammered. I mean, it, it kind of, it's funny because, you know, you wouldn't think that fish would really get in a cycle of, you know, because of pressure as deer or turkeys or anything right. else would. But they, they do. Because, like, we'll go over to Blue Marsh, you can fish from sunset, you know, till midnight. And you, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you don't even see a fish. You go over there during the day. There's thousands of fish, thousands of carp everywhere. I filled damn near filled barrels over there. Yeah, and, fish it, and another thing is, is like we fished it. Well, we were bored one night. I was about to pack up, and all of a sudden we just like it just light switch flipped on. It was one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I forget what we were doing. We were out with Bailey, and we were just goofing off. We were just bored, had yeah. nothing better to do with our lives. Well, we spent an all-nighter on Blue Marsh. I mean, we pulled off at, what, 6.30 in the morning. The, the sun, sun was up. Was up. Uh, it wasn't just up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing, the crazy thing was, is like 1 o'clock hit, and all of a sudden there's fish everywhere. It's like, and it, it happens to be about the same time that everybody pulls off the lake. So, I, I, I mean, I think, I think boat fishing is, which is great for the boat fishing world is it's getting a lot of publicity between social media and uh, just everything, word of mouth. And it's become it's becoming more more easy for young kids and other high schoolers to get into. So a lot of guys they're they're taking their John boats and putting lights on them and you know, they're only hitting one body of water every time they go out. So the, these bodies of water are getting pressured so, so hard. And sometimes they just need a break. And sometimes the best time is when... Do you get me some tea? Who wants tea? The best times are when you might get a week of rain and that water level comes up so high and goes back down. These fish haven't gotten shot at all week. So now... These fish are like, okay, we're good. You can get a boat on there and you'll hammer them. Mm. But it's a great thing that it's becoming more more and more popular. But it's also a bad thing at the same time 
when you get more people coming into it, you run into, and you know, the same thing with anything, deer hunting or waterfowl hunting, you get into some assholes that are, they're assholes. And biggest problem is just ignoring people on the bank that are fishing or people in a boat that are fishing. A lot of times these quote quote asshole boat fishermen are they're not going around people, they're just running over people's lines and they're not shutting their lights off and it's just it gives a bad rap for the guys that really, really do it like Austin and I and are doing it ethically and being a sportsman while we're doing it. We're not just out there killing fish. I like to say that we're you know, we're not out there killing fish. We're out there having a good time and being sportsmen and enjoying the outdoors. Yeah, I can't, I can't say I was really expecting you to talk about um, all the fish and having so much fish that was coming out of your ears you didn't know what to do with it that uh, you saved that much. Because every time I think of bow fishing, I'm not thinking of a, a fish that's something I'd stick in the freezer. Yeah, that's what a, a lot of guys don't think of it that way. And it, I think that's, especially on Facebook, I see it all the time, is is guys giving boat fishermen a bad rap, and they think that we're out there literally just killing anything and throwing it in a ditch and, you know, letting it rot. And 90% of our fish, I would say, go, go yeah. either, I mean, the only thing we don't eat is carp, really. Carp, carp, and carp. suckers, and yeah. even with the end of goldfish, obviously. Yeah, I have one in the freezer because I'm getting it now. Yeah, I have a koi in the freezer to get out. <laughs> A koi or a goldfish remounted. Like, what? Did, was it your pet that you had it in your pond? That you wanted yeah, to memory it? No. This thing is huge. I mean, this goldfish is like, yeah, they get really, and they're exactly what they think you are. Like the goldfish that you would go and get at the fair for throwing a ping pong ball yeah. and something. They are the same thing. They're just about that big. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, I know they get big. I've seen them in the wild. How big they get and. It's a shame that people let them things go. I mean, yeah, like, they're all over the place. Dude, there's waterways where that's you can't go anywhere without seeing like the the entire bottom of the river moves with goldfish. Mm. Yeah, of all colors. You it's get nutty. black and whites. You get silvers. You get bronze colored, and you get fire gold ones. I yeah, mean, they're cool though. It, it's crazy. It's half the time we don't even shoot at half of them because we're tired of shooting them. And it's like, oh, what will we do with these things? You can uh, sit. I mean, honestly, you can. Put the anchor down and sit in the same darn spot and just shoot goldfish all night, not have to go anywhere. That's the kind of place I want to yeah. go. That sounds like right up my alley. It's like a shooting gallery. It is. It really is. I tell you what, though, shooting those little things, and um, I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but shooting them little things makes me shoot my compound ten times. Oh, yeah. ten times better archer from bow fishing all summer. I mean, we're shooting than doing just you know, shoots every Sunday. You shoot without a sight. You're shooting instinctively, so it, it really does teach you how to shoot a bow. So I mean, as soon as you pick up your compound, it's just like yeah. warm butter. You're just letting them fly. Hmm. Yeah, most guys will, you know, they shoot in their backyard and their stance is perfect and their form's perfect. Half the time, I'm shooting across my body or I'm shooting on the move and. Yeah, Especially, actually, you know, if you're in a tree stand and you got some weird ass shock to make, yeah, it's it helps. It really, it really, really does. does. I mean, for example, the buck I shot this past year, uh, I think you've seen it, Robbie. That ten pointer I shot. That 
honestly, it was like bow fishing. <laughs> this guy came rolling past me at about Mach 10, and I gunned at him twice in one stop. I ended up having to yell at him, but the whole time, you know, I mean, I'm on my bow, just leading him, just following him, just like I'd be leading a fish until he stopped. I mean, he, when he, as soon as he stopped on a dime, it didn't even have its second, and I already had an arrow in it. I mean, it, it does help when things like that. I mean, you get so comfortable. It's kind of like shooting trap. I mean, you get so comfortable with a shotgun, it becomes your, you know, your third arm. It's no different than bow fishing and shooting a bow in deer season. I mean, it just comes so natural. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if you if it uh didn't help in any way where you guys would be rushing shots or anything like that, but the way you guys explained it where I mean, obviously deer hunting it sounds like you're still taking like you do with your bow fishing, you're still taking ethical shots and you just it it prepares you for like Donovan said the those awkward situations or those awkward stances that you might have to be leaning out of the tree stand or doing something crazy like that and taking. I don't know shots. how many times, bro. I've, I've shot at fish and darn near fell in the water. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I've shot on one leg. Maybe you need to come up with like a a, a a bow fisher safety harness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, that'd be pretty badass. Like a big post. Yeah, I'd be able to shoot right off the front, like, like a, a tree saddle. But, but if we had the post, it'd be like a super pole in the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it, it definitely does help you in, you know, deer season. I, actually, for me personally, my, my grip is my biggest thing. Yep. And I work up at Cabela's, so I, I deal with people all the time and um, yeah. setting up bows and stuff. And the biggest thing for people to grasp is, well, pun not intended, is literally is their grip. And... Same thing with bow fishing. If your if your grip's off, your shot's gonna be off. And what I find is with my bow fishing bow is I find my hand to be in this since I shoot it so much is to be in the same spot every time. And I hold it just like my compound. And when I pick up my Matthews, it's it's dead nuts. It's right there exactly where I typically would hold my bow. And I think that's a huge thing for archers, especially starting out, and even older people that. Maybe just can't can't grasp that, wrap their head around just grabbing the bow right. It it helps me tenfold. It's just the grip. Yeah, archery is definitely a repetitive sport. I mean, the more you can repeat good habits, the more you're going to get uh, the results you want to see on target. I mean, I've I've dealt with target panic. I've dealt with uh, you know shooting form issues and what have you. And yeah, it's a constant learning learning thing and the more you can repeat it and apply it i would think that's gotta gotta help you the shooting style for bow fishing is just so different than what i'm used to i mean i I grew up shooting indoor and you know kind of like a hybrid kind of on target and then crossing that over with deer hunting and you know shooting a hinge release when i shoot and like it's just completely different for me to be thinking about instinctive shooting i mean I, i feel like i did that when i was you know, under 10, it would, it would be almost like learning to shoot a bow over again for me to go that route, but it would probably be something that'd be neat to learn. I think you'd pick it up really, really quick. Yeah, Uh, definitely. I mean, it would be a couple of shots. You you know, you're going to pick it up and you're going to go, what the hell is this? How do I use this? Somebody shows you how to use it and it, you'll end up shooting like second nature. I took guys out that literally have 
never picked up a bow in their life, and I'm like, here, shoot this. They figure it out, and they shoot fish that night. I mean, they might take them a while, but you end up shooting fish. It's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to do at all. I mean, yeah. we, we still miss all the time. Missing is just part of the game. Yeah, if you go, if you can go out and hit every single shot on a fish, it's impossible. Yeah, I don't know. Go play a lottery or something. But what's what's crazy about it too is, I mean, fish. Sometimes fish are pretty darn hard to hit, and a lot of times they don't give you the nicest shot ever, where they're laying, you know, perfectly broadside in the water, and you have this big old slab to shoot at. I mean, a lot of times we're shooting a fish or laying dead on. You have an inch or so. Left or right to hit it. I mean, let's just shoot big heads. Well, this past weekend down in the Potomac, honestly, we headshot more fish than I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I, the goldfish, I just sit there with their head out. I mean, yeah. with a goldfish, most of them, you only have an inch to hit left or right. And you got all but center punch their spot or back, which comes to a point. I mean, I, on my boat, we probably shot 15 of them that were dead square to the boat. Hmm. It's just like, I think it's funny when guys go out and they go, oh, I shot this big fish. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like shooting big fish too, but yeah. kind of hard to miss them. <laughs> yeah, the, the big fish are easier to hit than the small fish. Well, oh, that would make sense. Fish, <laughs> finding the big fish is the hard part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we can go out like this past weekend. We didn't really shoot any big fish. I we shot had, one good snake that night. We had a couple That's good, decent-sized, you know, they call them dragons, 30-inch-plus snakeheads, but besides that, we didn't kill any big blue cats. We didn't, we just we killed, killed like fish, fish, three, three, ten, ten pound, eight to ten pound blue cats, and that was about it. Yep. Where the last time I was down there, we shot 45 catfish that were all over ten pounds. Eight, ten pounds, yeah. Which filled the entire deck of the boat, and it happens just like anything else. It happens to work when you forget the fish barrel at home like that. So then you have to throw them all on the deck and the boat's a slimy, bloody mess. So when you come prepared, don't kill anything. I mean, I find this with deer hunting too. Like if I forget my range finder or forget something else, my knife, it happens to kill something. But if I come fully prepared and I have everything in my bag, you best believe I ain't going to see a darn thing that night. <laughs> and it, it is exactly the same in bowfish. Absolutely. No Fellas, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on chatting about it. I learned a lot about bow fishing. Um, yeah, I yeah, mean, out of all the all the outdoor hobbies that we talk about with people and doing stuff, I mean, that'd be something I'd have no problem taking up. Yeah. I'm sure my wife wouldn't enjoy that. <laughs> no, I know the only people I've come in contact with besides you guys, bow fishing. Uh, I know Nate and. And Logan and all them went out the one time down towards Harrisburg. I was telling you about that, telling Austin about that the other the other week. I forget where they went, but they said it was a blast. Yeah, it's it's so fun. I don't know. It keeps me busy. Keeps me out of trouble. I like to say sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes doesn't keep your bank account. No, out of it does trouble. not keep the bank. Account. <laughs> I was gonna say it depends yeah. what your definition of keeping you out of trouble means. Yeah, I would say gas prices are the biggest thing right now. Oh. So we drive three hours almost yeah, every I mean, weekend. It's all nighters. I mean, you'll go out, you'll drive down there, you know, after working a full day on Friday, gas station, get home, stop at Royal Farms, drive three and a half hours there, fish all night, and come home 
drive home three and a half hours and be up 24 hours. It, yeah, you just got to send it and drink a lot of caffeine and you're going to have a ball. Yeah, wow. you're going to have fun. I tell you that. You're going to be tired the next day, but you're going to have fun. Well, there's, there's a good chance in prime snakehead season. I might have to bug you guys. I might want to come test that out. Yep. Oh, yeah. I got bows. I got, got bows, three yeah. extra rigs. Sounds awesome like you just that. need somebody to bring money and you guys are set. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a growing sport, and I, I think I hope it gains some traction amongst normal fishermen and, you know, think we're all bad guys all the time and we're not out there. Yeah killing sport fish and it's 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 definitely growing i think in, in the south um it's huge it is it is huge down there it's not quite that big up here yet you can go to kentucky and see 100 200 boats boat yeah. fish in the same spot it's, and we shot i was down there this year for a week and we probably put 600 fish in a boat and that was being selective with our fish uh we were shooting big head carp and we did shoot a bunch of silvers uh for you guys, it'd be like, you ever see the carp that jump out of the water? Yeah. Those ones. Yeah. We were shooting a lot of those down there. Um, nice. It's, it's so big down there with bow fishing. I mean, they have teams and tournaments and it's, every weekend. Every weekend. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, my buddy Max actually has a bow fishing shop down there that he opens specifically for bow fishing. That's it. And it, he does very well for himself down there at uh, Force Feed and Bow Fishing. And uh, that's the only place in the world you can do that, is open up a bow fishing-specific shop. Kentucky. And, yeah, is, is in Kentucky. And to anybody that's listening to this, and you bow fish, go to Kentucky. It's cheap, and you will 100% shoot fish. 100%. And you don't even need to aim. You can just shoot an arrow into the water. You can just shoot into the water. And uh, we are not, I'm not, kidding, we're not kidding about that either. I don't know how many times where I was just joking around and just shot, and you pull up the silver every time. Yeah, it is it is wild, but it, it's it's definitely taking off, and I hope it takes off for the for the better up here. If people just don't think we're just shooting everything. Definitely, good deal. Hey, I uh, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge, um, sharing your experiences, and we'll have to keep in touch on that bow fishing side of things because. It's cool outdoor. It's a cool outdoor experience. It's a cool way to break up the off season for somebody who's uh, who's big into the fall. But uh, thanks again, guys. Yep. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you. Yep. Thanks.